You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Sort of got two aspects, but you'll see as we go, discerning seasons, discerning seasons and growing in finances. Discerning seasons and growing in finances. So... I know it excites you, but hopefully it'll still excite you by the, by the time we are finished. <clears throat> I know the heading is exciting, but as I say, I hope it'll still excite you by the time you are finished. <clears throat> okay, so the premise and the basis I'm sort of starting on this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, is that it's critically, it's very important for you to be able to understand and discern what season you're in. What season are you in life? Where are you? Not just, you know, you need to be able to pick it and understand it spiritually. Not just, oh, I got married, I'm in university, or, you know, I have my first child, second child, I've got a job now. Not just from a natural standpoint, but almost where can you find yourself in the Bible? What you see written in the Word, where do you find yourself there? In which situation, in which, in which book, in the life of which character, where about do you find yourself? It's so important to be able to understand what season you is because linked with that is everything else. Your finances are linked with that. Your relationships are linked with that. Your, your quality of life, if I can say how comfortable or maybe how not comfortable, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, what you're trusting God for, maybe what you're believing for, and what you, as I say, you might be seeing some things and some other things you might not. So it's important to be able to Take the season that you're in and through that and using that as a standpoint, being able to then filter everything else. Because if you're in a season which is maybe, say, for example, financially challenging, then at least you'll know this is where I'm at. So you'll still be believing God in the area of finances, but at least if you can, if you can know this is, where I'm, this is where I'm at and maybe this is what God's working or this is what he's doing or, you know, this season is a bit challenging at the moment, it makes it easier to go through. And even you can then have your focus in the right area. So then you might, not, you might not shift your focus into the wrong area. You know, you're focusing on something and putting all this time and effort, but yet God is saying something different. So his word is always true. You always provide for you and all of that. That'll always happen. But as I said, you can discern the season. Your quality of life at work and everything else will be so much more We're so much better and so much more of a higher quality because you can actually picture yourself. You can see this is where I am and this is what I'm going through. Amen? Okay. So what I'm going to share this morning is maybe just um, an example of a season from one person's life. Just maybe a couple of snapshots. And what you can do is then, you know, you can use that, I guess, as as a starting point to be able to look at the other lives of people in the Bible, where they're at, what they're going through, and see where you peg yourself. Amen? Although I, I believe it's quite possible that a fair amount of you here might be going through um, what I'm going to share now, maybe the season that I'm going I'm to share as we're going along. But, you know, it's important that, you know, whatever I mention resonates with your heart. What is the Spirit, you know, what is witnessing with you? Do you connect with it or is there maybe something else? But at least if you can understand that it's possible to be able to discern the season and there's, there's something in the Bible which you can connect with, if you can understand that, then you can take it forward yourself. Amen? Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the life of, the life of David and 
I'm going to look at a, a season that he went through, a bit of time that he spent. So I'd like us to start, and I'm going to call this, I don't, I'm sure with, yeah, with time I can probably get a better definition, but for the moment I'm going to call it the, the wilderness stronghold season. Amen? Okay, now you're not as excited as you were in the beginning. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's okay. So hopefully I'm just trusting that God will bring light and bring illumination, and, if, and you can use this almost like as a tool or as a starting point, and you can start running from there. Amen? So, you know, it's, it's got a witness with you. So just because it's declared from here doesn't mean specifically that it's, it's your situation or that your situation will now become this because this was declared today. Amen? Okay, I thought that would make you feel a bit better, but okay. <clears throat> so, 1 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to read from verse 14. And we'll probably read all the way down to about 23 or 24. <clears throat> this is what it says. And David stayed, excuse me, and David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in the Lord. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you, even as my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeoth, saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hekila, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down. And our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there, for I am told that he is very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah." Amen. And if you carry on from here, you can read a bit more down to the, the end of verse 23. But we see a couple of interesting things in this passage. Number one, David was in wilderness strongholds. That's the way he was. He was running away from Saul. The end of 21 um, and beginning of 22, we say that David finally departed from Saul. He tried to you know, pin him to the wall twice and then... Um, he, made a, he had an agreement with Jonathan to check on you know, what Saul's state of mind was when he, when he stayed away from a feast. And then eventually he decided, you know, things are not, things are not okay. Like, I can't, I, I can't remain here any longer. Like, you know, at my, it's, getting, it's getting dangerous for my health. I really have to leave. So he then left, and now we see he's spending time in wilderness, in wilderness strongholds. Okay, which aren't necessarily very comfortable. Amen? Not very comfortable. 
not where he'd want to be, not ideally something he might choose himself, but nevertheless, that's the season where he was in. God was definitely working in him a whole lot of things. One of them was the ability to be a man of war, to fight, to be able to, I guess, be victorious and powerful and, and accurate in the area of warfare. And then you see, so when he stepped into his position as king finally one day, he literally took off. If you read what happens after, so he becomes king of, of Israel, and then I think it's seven, six and a half or seven and a half years, he be, sorry, king of Judah, he becomes king of Judah first for a period of six and a half or seven and a half years. And then what happens is after that, he becomes king of Israel. And after he becomes king of Israel, you see he defeats the Philistines, but then you see after that, literally there's this whole list of other he was just finishing them left right and center these other nations he was de, he was dealing with left right and center on a on a powerful level on a powerful way he would just and that's because of what he went through what god birthed in him what god established in him so one sort of nice thing let me put it like this sometimes you know the season one might be going through you might seem it's quite long or maybe there's not even that much happening or it's for an extended period of time but if you look at the life of David, you also see something like that reflected. It was quite an extensive season he went through. But then when he stepped into what God had for him, he literally took off. Why? Because all of this had been worked into him. It had been, so now everything was in place. So he could literally, so what, maybe you could say he lost time because of the, the length of his season. But then because he had what he needed, he, he caught up and more, you know, once he stepped into what God had for him. And even did more than those before him and even those after him. Amen. So, wilderness stronghold, not necessarily that comfortable, not necessarily a place you'd choose, not ideally, you know, where you'd say, this is where I want to be. Interestingly enough, you can see in verse 16, it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in the Lord. So we can see he was, at this stage, you know, he was a bit, it was a bit challenging. You know, he, God had spoken some things to him. God had said some things. Um, you know, you're going to be king over Israel. He even anointed him. You know, there are a whole lot of things going on. God had spoken very clearly, and now he's finding himself, you know, having to run away and spending time in a place where he definitely wouldn't have chosen, which isn't that comfortable. And a lot of the time was caves. I don't know about either of you, but it's not sort of, you know, if I had a choice of, you know, top 10, you know, it would definitely, wouldn't be up, it definitely wouldn't be up there unless I wanted some, I don't know, special whatever weekend away. For, I wouldn't choose that. Okay, so we see that Jonathan then um, strengthened his hand in the Lord. And if you go down, you end up seeing that the, the Ziphites then came up and said, listen, is David not with us? Dory will hand him over to you. And, you know, do whatever your, your soul desires to do. And I just, I didn't want to laugh as I was reading that because, you know, you can just imagine what Saul's soul desires to do is not really in line with, God wants to, what, with what God wants to see happen. But nevertheless, so the Ziphites then hand him over. Well, they tell Saul where he is and then Saul comes and then tries to find David. And... <clears throat> So you, and then he has to move again. So he's in the, you find in the top verse 14, he's in the wilderness of Zith. And then further down you find he's in, the, he's in a forest. And then on which we didn't read, verse 24, you see he moves on to the wilderness of Moan. So he's constantly moving all the time. So maybe the first aspect, I mentioned a couple already, but the first aspect I want to mention in this season is that, I just want to phrase it properly. Things are not permanent. Things are not permanent. 
permanent. There's a state of things not being permanent, constantly moving, constantly changing. You spend a bit of time here, you spend a bit of time there, you move from here, you move to there. So it's not, and it's, it's not necessarily movement in every area of your life but you'll see areas of movement. You're here and then just for a little bit of time and then you move on here, then you, then you move on here. So nothing is permanent. And that can go, so it's important to know that. And it's also important to know as you're going through a season like this, I'll maybe mention it later again, but also to know what is permanent and what is not. It's very, very, very important. What is permanent and what is not? What is God saying, this is what I've given you and this is almost for long term or this is, for, um, this is something that I've, I've given you for good and this is maybe just a short term thing. And this is something here maybe for a short season or a short space of time, but then literally it's going you know, to be um, either you can say taken or you're going to move on to something else. And that again can save you from a lot of disappointment, heartache, and even discouragement. Because if you, if you know, oh wow, so the place where I'm staying now is permanent, but the job I've got is not. This relationship might only be for a short period, whatever it is, to add some value, but you just feel, ah, there's, there's no long-term, you know, something. It's going to add something in the short term, but then from a long-term point of view, you know, there's not going to be... Um, not going to continue even location wise so all of those things can change but you need to be able to discern what is God saying that's permanent and what is God saying that's temporary so that also when it comes to holding on to things you know what you know what to fight for and you even know what to get upset about you know some things you need to get upset about you know God this is this is what you've given me this is what you said and I'm not going to let go other things you know if it's just for a time then as it as it goes it's fine then you also know that the next thing will come on and that can even you know talk about your job amen okay so things are not permanent number 2 <clears throat> finances are scarce or limited i know now you now you're starting to get even more um <laughs> uncomfortable but it's okay so finances are scarce now you can imagine in a in a in a wilderness stronghold season you're moving from one cave to another one place to another somebody's chasing you things are happening you're in the wilderness you're not even in a permanent house you know you haven't got any sort of a permanent um or at least in the beginning you haven't got any permanent way of generating income or you know um certain income things aren't in place there's no comfortableness if I, can, if I can call it like in terms of that in, that, in your area of life. So you can, if you look at the life of David in this passage, or in this passage, but in this section, you can read actually, if you're interested, you can read from chapter 22 right through till... Actually, chapter, chapter, 20, chapter 30, and then the beginning of 2 Samuel talks about how he becomes king. But you can get a, a good snapshot of that, of that season. The important thing is that finances will be scarce. So they're not going to be where you want them to be. They're not going to be at a level or a position which is, listen, this is where I want them to be or this is what I need to have all my needs met. And just stick with me because we're also going to go through a process in the moment and show what God, how one of the ways God moves or God develops things in the area of finances. So don't, so, so just stick with me. Amen? We're going we, we're gonna to get, we're going somewhere. So just stick with me. But it's important that I, I also show how the two of these overlap. And you can see that your seasons and in certain situations, there's a link between them. 
and then it can, it can make things a lot easier for you with understanding, and then you know for, go forward and know what to be upset about, what to concentrate on, what to leave. So finances can be a bit scarce. Not necessarily the, the, the flow might not be as continuous as you want. It might not be at the level you want. It might not even sometimes it can be at a place where, you know, it's almost like, you know, this month, you know, things are... Um, it's maybe a little bit short, and you've got to see, okay, Lord, how are we going to get through? You know, you trust God, and maybe your, your budget is here, and your finances are here. You know, those kind of things can happen. And then what you're doing is you're engaging God a lot, maybe, because the financial level where you want is a little bit lower. Does that make sense? Just uh, the reason I want to say that is because looking at the text, that's the, if you can picture the situation David was in, that's where he was. Things were a bit scarcer and a bit tighter than he would have wanted them to be. But if you can understand that's the season you're in, if that's where you are, it makes life a lot more, a lot easier, if I can say it like that. Okay, and hopefully we're going to look at one more principle after this, which will, which will encourage you. So, first thing, things are not permanent. Secondly, finances are scarce. <clears throat> Thirdly, I've mentioned this already, things are not comfortable. There might be an element of not being comfortable, and that could be anywhere. It could be in your job, it could be where you're staying, it, it could be where God's told you this is where you need to be for this time. I've told you, I just, you need to serve in this department, for example, in church. It might not be where your gifting is, might not be where you want to be, but this is where you need to serve. Or this is the job you need to take. Like literally every day you go in there, it doesn't fill you with joy, but you know that God wants you to be there. This is the area I need you to live in. This is the people I want you to minister to at the moment. Whatever it might be, there'll be things that aren't comfortable. That don't, and yes, we go through that throughout the whole of our lives. There, there, there are always times. We're not going to live in perfect um, perfect harmony from our point of view where things are always going to be comfortable. We never, throughout our lives, there are always going to be times where things are not comfortable. We have to deal with some things. That's part of growth. But in this season specifically, there'll be some aspects which might not be there. You know, just what rubs you up the wrong way and what rubs me up the wrong way will be different. So for you, whatever that looks like might not be comfortable. As I said, that's another aspect of this season. So not being comfortable. You can imagine David you know, having to move from one cave to another, from one rock to another, from one place to another. That's not comfortable, and that's not what he would have chosen. And then, yeah, second to last, a sub-point up in the, off, under that is what I mentioned. It might not be, so it's not where you want to be. You look at where you want to, either where you'd be comfortable or where you'd ideally choose to be from a spiritual point of view, from a growth point of view, from a position in God, from what you're walking in, from what you're seeing, how you're seeing God move through you. All of that might not be where you want to be, but you can know that God is taking you somewhere. And lastly as well, I mean, if we, we see David also faced a couple of challenges. I'm not going to go into that too much, but... Definitely, you can see in the midst of the season, there were some things he was going through, and then every now and again, you know, Saul pops up his head again, and then, you know, decides to kind, kind of go at David. So he's going through, it's challenging, and it's a bit challenging anyway, and then on top of that, Saul kind of resurfaces, you know, he kind of gets reminded, oh yes, I wanted to kill David, so he pops onto the scene again. So you can just imagine, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a bit challenging for him, because there's these, these things he's going through anyway, and now every now and again, you know, the Saul pops up and decides, okay, now I'm going to send 3,000 men after you or you know I'm going to hunt you this side of the mountain you're going to run that side of the mountain so then he runs after him again and then you know that just maybe adds to the complexity of what he's busy going through amen okay <clears throat> I hope I've at least painted a bit of a picture this isn't the 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 main place where I'm going I'd like to focus a little bit um especially on the financial aspect I think hopefully to encourage us but this was just to paint a picture 
That's all it was supposed to do. Just to paint, at least give you an idea. Listen, what does this season look like? What are some of the characters? Just to try and get a picture in your head. And from there, you can decide, how am I going to apply that? How am I going to walk with it? How am I going to use it? You know, does that witness with where I am? Does that, is that applicable to my situation? Amen? Okay. So... <clears throat> As we're going forward, how do we engage with a situation like this? If this was a, if this was a season that we find ourselves in. So say this is the season we find ourselves in. Um, how do we, and you know, as I'm speaking, God is just, there's a, there's a witness in your heart. Listen, this is where I might be. This is maybe what I'm going through. How do we deal with this? Well, one of the most important things, probably one of the most critical out of everything, um, and I'm going to say this, and it's not... Some of you haven't heard before, but it's just maybe good sometimes to hear things again. And that is to stand. Two words, to stand. That's it. It is the most important thing. And there are probably a whole bunch of other principles. But while I was preparing and while I was going through this, it was the one thing which was the strongest on my heart, head and shoulders above everything else. So you might preach this somewhere else and you know, maybe something else will come. But this is what I feel was most important for. Um, for me to bring up. And if you look at the text, then you can also see you know, how that reflects. But to stand, to keep standing, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on. And you can see how David went through that. You know, he may not have, he may not have known how to deal with every situation the best way he could, the, best, the, the most ideal way, but he kept standing. He may not have known how to approach this, but he kept standing. He may not have known the answer to this, but he kept standing. He may have been discouraged, but, but he kept standing. Something challenging may have happened, but he kept standing. And that's what I want to emphasize, and that's what I think is very, very important. No matter what you're going through, no matter how discouraged you might get, no matter how challenging it is, keep standing. I can't emphasize enough. Do not allow yourself to be moved. And that's a decision you have to make. Do not allow yourself to be moved. Because... If you look at so Ephesians chapter 6, is it, verse, uh, is it verse 12, verse 13? Um, I'll put it up on the screen. But So once you're standing, standing, by the way, is also an offensive position. By you standing, in Christianity, if you want to put it like this, standing, you can actually, picture, you can actually put it in your filet, in your head, as standing is actually going forward. Standing is actually making ground, is actually making headway. By you standing, you aren't going backwards. The enemy is not gaining ground. And by you standing, someone's going to get tired. Amen. And it's not going to be you Amen. as you keep standing. But while you're going through challenges, it's almost, you know, I'm reminded a little bit of the parable of the sower, you know, with different kinds of heart conditions. So there's, you know, there's a seed by the wayside, and there's the one, and there's the one kind of seed which is sown on the ground, but there's no root. So then what happens is as the sun comes up, it bakes it, or as there are challenges, you know, that seed then falls away. So it gets a little bit of a grump, but then it falls away. And that's maybe how I'm reminded. And there's you know, some others choked by thorns and etc. But so we've got to also ensure that we stay stable with whatever the season is that we're in. So we're not like, you know, something, something challenging happens, and then we literally are, or we, we run far to the left or run far to the right. Does that make sense? I don't know how better to put it, but I think you can contextualize it in your, I know what that looks like for me. So I think each one of you can probably, um, if you look inside, you know, know what that looks like for you. Amen? So that's the important thing. You know, you're going through a challenge, and then even if, you know, you're not sure how to negotiate it, keep standing. 
no matter what, it, even the standing is establishing something in you. It's working something in you. God is doing something. But you can't then allow yourself to go far over to the left or far over to the right because then you can step out of where you need to be or step out of what God's doing or even miss what he's trying to do. Amen? And then, yeah, okay. So <clears throat> you need to stand. Have we got Yes, we have. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you, may able to, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I think the next verse says, stand therefore. So, I mean, you know, if you, wanted, you know, if you wanted to know what was emphasized, you know, I don't think it's too difficult to, you can just see, and it's stand, stand, stand. You can withstand, and you need to stand. So I believe in David in this season, and, you know, maybe for us as well, that was the most important thing. You know, you're in a place where you don't really want to be, and, you know, it's challenging, and it's difficult, and etc. And then Saul comes in, you know, just adds more, you know, into whatever you are, and just to make sure that you stay standing. Stay where you are. Stay positioned where you are. Don't allow yourself, as I say, don't run far to the left or far to the right. Just stay where you are, even if you don't necessarily have a clear line of what to do and how to go forward. What you know to do, start applying that, but keep standing. Amen? Okay. So <clears throat> the other thing I'd like to mention is, that was the most important one, but just by the way, and that's also and something Pastor Grace mentioned, it was on Sunday, and it's growing in sensitivity. I believe that is very, very, very important. In any season, you need to be able to understand and hear just even the still, the, the, the tiniest command of go here today, don't do that, speak to this person, stay away from here, hold back in this area, spend more time doing this, don't do that, this is what you must focus on. And it might be a small thing. Even like take a different route to work, for example. And then, you know, you do that. Oh, wow. And this is why. And then suddenly you see why God did that. It could be anything. But all I'm saying is, and I want to emphasize this, we have to be open and we have to be um, listening for that sort of detail. Literally something that small. Don't do the, ah, you know, don't take lunch today because, you know, and you feel, ah, but Lord, you know, there was something great you had last night. Whatever it could be. Or even just you're sitting here at your station and then the person next to, and they say, and then, you know, you just feel you should say something to that person. It might not even be share the gospel. Ask them how they're doing, you know, or, you know, this is what we did at church on Sunday. Whatever it might be, you need to be sensitive and you've got to develop sensitivity because in whatever season you're in, you're going to need to hear God in every season, in order to stay on track and going in the right direction. Some seasons are more challenging than others, and when you're in a season that's challenging, you definitely need to be able to hear the voice of God. Why? Because that one little step, literally maybe, you know, God saying, reach out to that person, whatever, that one little step might be the answer to bringing about a breakthrough in another area which you might need for that day, that week, or even that month. Amen? Just one small... And you might not see how the two of them are connected. And even you take that step and you might not see how this brings about that, but God knows. So the Holy Spirit is there to direct you, to um, show you which way to go. You need to be in tune. And I think, you know, one challenging thing for me on Sunday when I was listening to Pastor Grace's message was I really felt for myself I need to grow in the air of sensitivity. I really need to. And it's probably something we all need to grow in, but I just really felt that for myself. Listen, I need to grow in this area. I need to be able to pick, I guess, signals 
clearer, more accurately, more frequently, and you know, action them better. I need to be able to do that. And I believe sensitivity is very important. So, and if you look <coughs> right throughout this, this, these particular passages, this section of Scripture which I've been talking about, you see that um, sensitivity, we, let's call it that, is, is reflected right throughout. David keeps on inquiring of the Lord. Every time before he takes a major step, he inquires, Lord, should I go up? Or should I stay? Should I engage in a battle or not? Or should I remember? Should I, should I pursue so that I'll overcome everything? Should I take them on? Should I not? Should we go here? You know, should we stay? And, and that's the Old Testament version of being sensitive, you know, and following God every step of the way. So it's just, if you read that passage, you just see almost that's coming up the whole time. Anytime David was going to take on someone, you know, there was some kind of a battle or some kind of a war, he was like, listen, Lord, should we go up? Or even when the Amalekites came, chapter 30, I think, and took everything of theirs. Wives, children, they cleared the place. So, and they took everything. He even still said, Lord, should we, should we pursue? Should we go after them? Will we recover everything? God said, yes, you will recover all. But David kept asking. Amen? So let me show you two examples quickly. So 1 Samuel 23, let's look at... Uh, Verse 12, <clears throat> this is what it says. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver, deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So um, what, what David had done is he'd gone up to um, help this, <coughs> the, this, this particular city. And then he was there. And then Saul found out he was there and now wanted to come with his, whatever, 3,000 men or something. And obviously, you know, crush David and deal with him completely. So then David inquired of the Lord, Lord, look, this is what I've heard. This is the situation I'm in. What are you saying? Must I stay? Must I go? Will, will they deliver me? Is this the safe place to stay or must I move somewhere else? Sensitivity. God, what are you saying? And the a, a advantage we have, and the, sort of you can superimpose the New Testament onto this in such a way that we have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. He can drop things, he can speak, he can just a little, you know, small voice, a little thought, an idea that's from God here or there as you're going throughout your day to tell you how to stay on the path that he knows you have to travel on or to stay out of harm's way or stay out of something negative. Amen? Okay. And then if you look at chapter 30 verse 8, which I, which I mentioned already, he says, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. It's even interesting that he, that he even asked God, you know, should I, um, should I pursue them after what had happened? I mean, they had everything that belonged to them. Everything. I mean, wives, children, all their possessions. I mean, the place was cleared and their whole city was burned with fire. Like there was nothing left there. And they'd gone away with everything. Maybe we'll get there in a minute. You can see this, they were now celebrating and drunk and everything with all the spoil they had because they had so much. And now David is still asking, Lord, should I, should I pursue? Should I overtake? Will I recover everything? So he's even in that. So yes, you would think that you know, it belongs to him and they should go after. And it's probably what his desire was. But he was still saying, God, what are you saying? What is your step? What is your guidance? What is your word? What are you speaking into the situation which was very, very challenging? I'm finding myself almost, probably one of the most challenging situations David found himself in up until that point. 
you know, people wanted to stone him and says he had to encourage himself in the Lord because no one else was going to do that. Because, you know, they were all on a completely different, very challenging. And in the midst of that, God, what do I do? What step do I take? This is what I want to do, but, you know, are you saying this is the right direction? So sensitivity is very key. And the advantage is, as I say, as we're going out through a daily basis, God can speak to us and drop things on our heart and, and guide us, direct us. Amen. Okay, one more thing let me just mention before um, we move on is that <clears throat> it is interesting, and there are two examples here. If you look in this passage of Scripture, the, the biggest mistakes David almost made was when he didn't inquire of the Lord, when he took a step and he actually didn't say anything. He didn't ask God, should I, should I do this? Should I go and you know, attack this man and chop his head off? You know, should, I go and, should I even go to battle with the Philistines? You know, or should I remain behind? He didn't, he didn't ask God. But God in his sovereignty both times ensured that you know, he stayed on the right path. And you can just imagine becoming king one day and now you've gone out with the Philistines to go and attack your own nation. You probably wouldn't, you know, if, you, if you're trying to do a, um, if, there's a, if, there's a, if there's a candidacy sort of you're doing and you're going to different, you know, parts of the country to go and, you know, gather votes, probably it's not going to go so well for you if that's your background. Amen? Okay, it's fine. I find it funny. Anyway, <clears throat> so, um, and the example I wanted to give was one Samuel, I just didn't want to go too much into it, but I'm sure you know what I'm, where I'm, what I'm alluding to. 1 Samuel chapter 25 verse 13 reads as follows. So this, um, this is now, I think, is it Nabal? Nabal, Nabal, whatever you call him. So he's now, um, he looked after, David looked after all of his goats and sheep and flocks and everything. And now he was just asking for something small at harvest time when there's a lot of abundance. And he said, I, what do you mean, who, who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are lots of people, you know, who've just left their masters and, you know, run away. And, you know, all these, and these people are not worth anything. Saying that, you know, maybe that he, he, was, a, he was a scoundrel and, you know, what he was getting was um, he was... He was supposed to get that. That's how he's supposed to be treated because he was being disobedient to whoever his master was. So verse 13, David says to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. David was about to go and finish this guy, his whole little kingdom that he'd built up, everything that he had with, with what, they, what they mention in the Bible when they call it the edge of the sword. He was literally, he said, um, may God do to me and even more so to the enemies of, of David if one male remains at this time tomorrow. By the time, I mean, this, he, was, he was angry and he wasn't going to deal with this guy significant. I mean, he had 600 men of war with him against, you know, Nabal and I don't know what he had, maybe a couple of bodyguards, I'm not sure. What, he probably had some herdsmen. He was going to go and deal with them significantly. And what happened is obviously Abigail, um, Nabal's wife, stepped in and said, listen, uh, so sorry, here's something. And then she also made some, some interesting statements about, you know, God has, has kept you from extracting revenge from, what, what did she say? Let me get the words right. Um, um, here we go. Verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held me back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm um, seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And that's what God, again, God, that wouldn't have added value with regards to where he was going. 
that wouldn't have added value, I guess, also towards the picture the nation and the people, probably especially of Judah, had of David when it now came time to step into what God had called them to do. And also, he probably would have had some bloodshed on his hands, which would have been out of alignment with what the kind of life or the kind of testimony God wanted. So he would have stepped out of the will of God, essentially, and done something. Done something in. So God helped him. Sovereignly, he kept him away from that, um, both now and even with regards to the Philistines. So very quickly, this is, just, this is giving you a picture of what a, a wilderness stronghold season looks like. Maybe what some of the characteristics are, and <clears throat> maybe even how you can identify if that's maybe where you are and what you're going through. Now what I'd like to do, I want to shift gears, and we're going to go look from a financial aspect. So I want to I highlight the, the, the finances of David with regards to the season he was going through. So to talk about that and also show an important principle in trying to highlight how God works in the area of finances. One of the ways he works. There are many things he does, and, but I'd just like to highlight one. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start off with 1 Samuel 22 verse 1. So an important thing to know is that generally, sometimes it can, the, the exception is, you know, sometimes it can go from here to here. But generally in the area of finances and a lot of other areas, God works, if I can say, step by step. He, it sort of, he builds one thing on the other. It gradually increases. Maybe that's the best way to put it. There's a gradual increase over time. It gets better and it gets better and it gets better and it gets... And yeah, there might be some challenges which come in here and there, but there's a, there's a steady increase which happens. It starts somewhere and then God steadily increases over time. Amen. That can also be linked to some of the stuff he's doing in your heart and you know, a whole lot of other things. But he steadily... So in the area of finances, you start somewhere and then he steadily increases over time. So that's the principle, that's one of the ways God works in the area of finances. And I want to highlight that from this, this text here. And then hopefully that will encourage us this morning. Amen. <coughs> so, excuse me, <coughs> 22 verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who is in distress, who is in debt, who is disconnected, uh, discontented, probably disconnected as well. They all gathered to him. And then verse 3, uh, David and his, his, his father and mother, he goes up to the, verse 4, he goes up to the king of Moab and asks, you know, can my parents stay with you, you know, just until I know what God will do with me and what God will, um, what God's going to do for me and how things are going to progress from here. So, we find David, so he's now run away from Saul, literally left everything, ran as quickly as he could, found himself in this cave, a whole lot of people who were in debt and who were and, um, discontented. What is it? It is discontented. Discontented, yeah. I was thinking about discontinued. No, they weren't because they were still there. They couldn't have been discontinued. <laughs> they were still around. So all these people which were not discontinued, but they were in debt, they came and gathered around him. So you can imagine they didn't sort of, they didn't add a substantial amount of... Um, I'm not sure, resources and um, uh, value from a material, practical point of view. They weren't bringing things. If they were in debt, they were, you know, they were, <laughs> they were running from something. And you know, the, the negative balance that they had was probably left there, wherever they were. So then what they came with was maybe just the clothes on their back. So this is where he started off. And then his mother and brother, or his, 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 his um, Father's household, his parents and his brothers came up to be with him. And then he says, he went and asked the king of Moab, listen, can they just stay with you? Because he understood, look, this is the season I'm in. And I know with Saul after me, 
probably he was going to go. It was for a couple of reasons. One of them was safety for his parents. So he put them there. He knew that he's now, whatever he's dealing with, they're out of harm's way. So they can't, be, they can't be accessed, no matter what happens. So he sent them off there. But now what I want you to see is if he left everything and ran, you know, to this situation where he found himself in a cave, he probably didn't have that much with him. He probably didn't, from a material point of view, from a, from a, let me, from a, a, a security point of view, not security like bodyguards, but a security point of view, like how we like to talk about security, I don't know, financial security or whatever. But like a security point of view, he didn't have that much with him. He wouldn't have had. It wouldn't have, I mean, because of, you know, the way he came out. And what may have happened is maybe, I mean, the, the text is silent, but maybe when his parents came up, you know, they brought a little something, you know, with them and they left it with him before they left. But that may or may not have happened. But all I want you to see is this is where he started, probably almost on zero in this situation, probably almost on zero. May have had a little bit from here or there, but almost on zero. So he starts off on zero. Then we go to chapter 23. <clears throat> and what we see there is um, he hears that the Philistines have attacked the, the city of uh, Keilah, I think it is. And then, and then verse 2, it, David inquires of the Lord and says, listen, should I go up and help the city? And the Lord says, yes, you go up and help them. Now here's the interesting thing. So this is just the movement you'll start to see. Verse Excuse me, verse 5. Then David and his men went to Keilah excuse me, and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the, inhabit the inhabitants of Keilah. Now, what you, now, this is, I guess, another step up with regards to their, their security, their, the God's provision, their financial growth. So now they've, so David, so where does it say, and with a mighty blow, he took away their livestock. So now, quantifiably from scripture, we can, we can see they've now got something quantifiable. They may have had a little bit before, but they've now increased. So they went up, I guess, he took a step of obedience. He did what God told him to do. Yes, he inquired, but just remember, you know, we're talking about the Old Testament now, so things worked a little bit differently. So try and superimpose the New Testament and how we live, you know, into what you read. So he, it was a step of obedience. He did what he was supposed to, and he came out of that with something. So now he even increased, let's say, financially. So he's now moved from nothing. He's gone up a little bit. So now he's increased. And what was important is that, step of increase or the way he increased was he did something positive he took a step of obedience he did what he was supposed to he followed god and what god was saying to him he did something for the kingdom if i can even go as far and say it like that if you want to put in our modern day context he did something for the kingdom and out, interestingly enough out of that step he took that 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 chance that step out that there was something accrued to him he increased so, but it's just interesting that that's the, I want you to see that that's how he increased. It wasn't just by sitting there doing nothing. And just, you know, stay in the cave and he increased. He was constantly still walking in line with what God was saying. Walking in line with that and then he increased. Okay, so he increased. Now the situation they were probably in, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. We're going to go to verse 2. <clears throat> Just to say very quickly, the situation that he was probably now in was a case of, we've got these 400 men and... What was, and now obviously, you know, we've got some, we fought the Philistines, we've got some cattle, we've got some goats, whatever it might be. So now probably in all, um, in all reality, they now had probably a couple of almost animals or a couple of, a couple of goats and sheep and whatever to be able to now supply the entire group of 400. So now what happened was, in other words, they had some things, but probably there wasn't enough for everyone to have his own. 
So what they probably had to do was what they now got, they had to, as a group, they now probably drew from that. You know, in, so it was still quite a lean situation, if I can say that. But can you see how they've increased? Okay, 25 verse 2. This is what it, this is what it says. <clears throat> now there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Verse 3, the name of the man was Nabal, and the, the name of his wife was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding, beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of, of Caleb. So we can obviously see the difference between the husband and the wife, but what's important is to lay the context, I want to see, you to see what Nabal had, what the Bible records. So it's 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Now if we go, and obviously we know that you know, Abigail then came to David and said, listen, please don't go and destroy my husband and the whole household. You know, he's a, he, as, his name, as his name says, he's a fool. He's not very bright. Yes, financially you know, or business-wise, you know, he can accumulate a knot. But from a, I guess from a practical point of view, he's not the brightest you know, soul out there. So you know, just please don't deal with him and all the males like that because he's not, let it fall on me. And here we go. This is what I've brought you, by the way. So, verse 37. Where am I going? So, verse 13 reads as follows. It says, Then David said to his men, Every man gird your sword. So every man girded his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. They were going to go and destroy Nabal and everything he had, and every male. 37 reads as follows. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things. Just bear in mind, Abigail has already gone to see him, given him a, David a whole lot of things, appeased him, and David has gone you know, back, to their, back to their stronghold. And now the wife goes and says, by the way, this is what happened while you were drunk. And you, know, you, you were partying and you were relaxing. This is what took place. So, and uh, the wine had gone and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him. And he became like a stone. You can just imagine. You know, she painted a picture for him and suddenly he was like, okay, you know what? Life isn't as great as I thought in the beginning. So then it happened about 10, after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So now the husband is now dead. Verse 39. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Okay. My theory is that, and I mean the Bible's silent, but this is what I believe, is that everything you see in verse 2 now became David and his men's. Because, you know, the, the husband had died. The wife, obviously, you know, would now own everything. And she went and married David. So now everything we see in verse 2 obviously belongs now, would have gone to David and his men in their situation. I want you to see a couple of things. Number one, you don't always know how God is going to provide or how he's going to come through for you. I mean, who would have, in his wildest dreams, he never would have painted this picture. There's no way he would have said, oh, God's going to provide for me like one, two. There's no way he would have painted this picture. So all you've got to do is keep trusting God, keep going forward, and, keep, and stay open to what he's saying. And what's important is, on that is don't not take any step of obedience, anything that comes your way, because you don't know what is linked with it. Unless you are clear with how God is going to provide, which 
Yeah, maybe sometimes you can be, but God's never going to show you the whole picture. So it's safe to ensure, especially if you're in a challenging situation. That's what I want to emphasize. Make sure you're being obedient. Whatever God is saying, you do that. Because you don't know what's going to come out of that. How, what, if that's going to be the channel he's going to use to take you up to the next step or the next level. Amen? I mean, he didn't, there's no way that David could have pictured this, that he was going to move to the next level financially by, you know, some lady, husband dies, he's got all of this, I marry her, you know, everything comes our way. He moved to, a, to the next level financially, but he never would have pictured this. You have to be open to what God is saying, and you have to ensure that you take every step of obedience that comes your way. It's not even negotiable. If you don't, no one else is going to miss out. You're the one who's going to miss out if God wants to use that. Okay, so now what probably happened very quickly, we're going to go on to two more points, then we'll close. So 1 Samuel 27, uh, we're going to look at verse 2. So what probably happened now is, let me just quickly summarize it. It's very interesting because there were, I think it was 3,000 of one and 1,000 of the other, but what was it? 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, which translates to about 4,000. And there were about 40, 400 men altogether. So I don't think it was as simple as that. You know, 4,000 divided by 4 and everyone gets 10. David may have had a bit more because he was the leader. But what I want you to see is at this point, what this translated to is, I believe that David, looking at the kind of person and character he had, he wouldn't have kept everything for himself. I believe, especially if there was a need within his, I guess his congregation, his midst, his people, his, his, his fighters. If there was a need in the midst of his men, I believe he would have distributed. So my belief is that the next level they moved, where they were now is everyone now had his own. This is the level they were now at. Whereas there was sort of one small little pot which was providing for everyone and they were kind of trying to squeeze out as much as they could. Now everyone had their own. I believe that's the level they've now moved to. Everyone had their own. But now what you must remember as well is uh, sheep and goats. Yes, I know in, if you, modern day and, old, and back then is a bit different. But back then, those were income generators. So yes, you know, still today you can generate income from it. But l back then, we didn't have the kind of income generators that we had today. The reality of how society was structured. That was like an asset. Yes, it would still be an asset today. But back then, it was a much bigger asset. So I want you to see it as everyone has his own. From a, from a financial point of view, they've increased. But also, those things were income generators. So from that, each man could even generate his own income from whatever he had. Amen? So that you can, you can see now how they've moved to another level. They've now moved forward. They've moved up a notch. Now, the interesting thing is very quickly. If we look at, um, we read from verse 2, chapter 27. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him um, to Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. Verse 3. So David went to Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. Um, if then we go down to verse 5. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Verse 6. So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And from the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. What I want you to see here very quickly is they have again moved up a level. They've now got, and I'm going to qualify this, but they've now got, um, if I can say some, they've got a site. 
They've got a permanent land. They've got something which now these goats and sheep and cattle, they, they can now, you know, before, you know, they're, I guess they're running around with them in caves in the wilderness, which wasn't that great. They had an asset, but, you know, the, the, the situation still hadn't sort of settled as they wanted. Now they've moved up again and they've got something solid where they can put their feet down. This was not permanent. This wasn't permanent. But for the moment, they've got something solid where they can put their feet down. So what you've got is you've got some sheep, you've got some goats. It says, you know, their, their families now were brought in as well. So they could obviously now support their families as well from substantially, probably deal with all the debt they had, you know, wipe all of that away. So what I believe, the situation they're in now at the moment, I believe that they had, what, how did I write it? I believe that they have um, more than their needs met. In, this situation, in chapter 27, they were now at a place when they had more than their needs met. So whatever their needs were, they were, they were living or positioned at a place above their needs met. Amen. So their needs, you know, their needs, having their needs met were here, and now they're at a place where they had more than what they needed, I guess. But please remember where they started. Chapter 22, nothing. <laughs> and the guys were coming from a negative balance. You know, it was challenge. They had nothing. But if you look how God systematically increased over, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of the season they were in, in the midst of what they were going through, in the midst of also things often being comfortable, not being comfortable, God kept increasing step by step, obedience by obedience, position by position, time by time. You know, they were, it kept incrementally increasing. It was, of course it was tough, but you can just see how God was faithful the whole way through, and I believe He will do the same for each one of us. Amen? Okay, what we can see if we go from verse 8, stick with me for maybe another two minutes, I'm going to close. So, <clears throat> verse 8, this is what it says. And this is now they move from a position of having, just having their needs met, they now start moving to a position of abundance. That's what they see here. Verse 8. And David and his men went up and raided the, the Geshurites, the, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land even from old. As you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Verse 9, here we go. <clears throat> Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. They, had, they, were, they were at a position of, have, of being above their needs met, and now what they were doing was they were accumulating more. Camels and donkeys and apparel is, is clothing, is things that you wear, things that you can put on. That's what apparel is. Um, sheep and oxen, donkeys and camels. They were now, this season was a season of abundance. They were now starting to explode from a material point of view, from a financial point of view, from a practical point of view. They were now starting to explode. So that, you know, permanent site... Um, that had added some value. They were at least a bit stable. You know, you know they'd, they'd stabilized a bit. They weren't all over the places they were before. It stabilized a little bit. They were now at a point where, you know, they were, they were okay. Their needs were met. They were kind of a bit more comfortable, and it wasn't as discouraging as before. And now, from that position, they were now starting to um, increase and move to an area of abundance. Very quickly, remember what I said in the beginning about knowing what's permanent and what's not. They were in that position. They were increasing sort of financially and pros prosperity-wise, if you want to say that. But they knew, and David was very clear, that this was not their permanent home. This was not their permanent site. 
So it's like, it's like holding it in tension sometimes. You hear, and God has given me this place maybe for stability, I don't know, consolidation, you know, whatever it is. He's given me that for that. And at the same time, I'm growing materially, but I know that where my feet are is not, um, is not my permanent place. But, but the area I'm increasing is I know that belongs to me. Does that, does that make sense? And it's increasing. It's increasing. It's interesting because you've got to be able to hold that intention. Being able to know, listen, what's permanent and what's not. What is God giving me into my hand that is mine and I literally can, I can hold on to? Although everything, you know, that we hold with an open hand before God. But what is mine that he's given to me? And what is maybe just for the purpose of, I don't know, um, to grow or stabilize or consolidate or just, you know, help put a structure in place so that it can take you somewhere. It's accomplishing something. And you need, again, that comes with discerning the season, discerning where you are and understanding what God is saying. So... How do we close from here? David has now moved into a position of abundance and from here he goes and steps into becoming king. Second Samuel, we see that there. So I guess we can close in this way. It's interesting, again, if you look in chapter 30, Malachites come, I told you the story, they burnt everything with fire, and, but they go and recover everything. And then if you read in that chapter, you can see that even they, they came back with more because what the Amalekites had, they also took that. So they increased another level. Now, here's the interesting thing. This, let me just drop this as we close. But by the way, David stepped into his kingship, stepped into what God had for him. Let's say he stepped into his kingship from a position of abundance. I just thought that was very interesting. He didn't step in there needing anything. He didn't need the kingship to add anything to materially. I mean, obviously he would have increased. I mean, if you read the end, what he hands over to Solomon, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I, mean, I think it's like, you know, silver or bronze with, that without measure. I mean, it was phenomenal. So obviously the kingship took him to another level of financial, material, practical growth. Absolutely. But it's interesting that he didn't need anything from the king. He stepped in there and from a, from a practical, from a needs met point of view, from a prosperity point of view, he was already sorted before he stepped into the king. And that's very interesting. And I, and I think, well, not I think, there, there are, I think, a couple of important reasons for that. And, you know, but it's just, I just want you to think about that as, as we close. Where God stepped into, where he stepped into, he stepped in and he was already, you know, in a position of abundance. He already had all his needs met. So, <clears throat> as we close, what are we saying? We've been looking at different seasons, saying the importance of discerning your season and then superimposing, you know, understanding how God works in the area of finances and different financial principles within your season, putting those two together so you can have a clear point of view and that you don't get discouraged, number one. Number two, we looked at how God develops in the area of finances. How does he grow? He grows over time, systematically, almost like one point after the next. And he can even do that, like we saw when we looked at that, in the most challenging situation systematically he can still grow you from a material point of view, even if it's challenging. And then you shouldn't say God's going to provide like this or like that, or okay, I can see how God, I, in this season I'm in, there's no way God can provide financially. You mustn't look at it like that. Because you never know what God's got for you. So to see how God grows financially, to be inspired, to be, to be encouraged, to be challenged, say, listen, we're going forward, God is with us. Systematically he's doing things. He's taking us somewhere pegging where you are, and then just continuing to stand and go forward, believing God, and even trying to look and say, okay, where am I at the moment? Where is God taking me? What is he doing? Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we bless you. <clears throat> we thank you for today. We magnify. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. 
For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.